Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome to episode three of How I Quit Alcohol. I'm super excited to have my good friend Scott Owen in the Zoom room. Scott was also a founding member of Club Sober. Like his partner Claire, he joined in with us on a pact to take a 12-month break from drinking. And now, what are we, Scotty? Two and a half years down the track? Yeah, it's just it's just gone two and a half years, a couple of days ago, actually. It's the 2nd of July, so it's, got, it's just gone two and a half years. We've du- we're double and a half. Thanks for having me. It's um, When you said a founding member of Club Sober, I felt really privileged when you said that. I was like, oh, that feels nice. I like that title. <laughs> founding nice, member of the, of the club. It's yeah, good to be a founding member of something. You yeah, exactly. I think I can hear your whiskers scratching on the... Oh, yeah, I know. I've grown a bit of an isolation beard, so I'll, I'll stop. I, I, well, I scratch it. I, I scratch my beard. It makes me look like I'm intelligent when I talk, but you can't <laughs> see me, so I'll just stop scratching it um, and I'll leave it alone. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. What got you to the point where you felt like you needed to take the break? Well, I did, when you got well, it was you guys... Um, this is weird because I know you spoke to Claire, so we're, we're probably going to cover a lot of the same things given that okay. we're a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool. But yeah, so it was it was basically you guys driving it because you were going to go into the pact with um with some with some other friends of yours, Lisa and Matt, and um and we kind of just jumped in on the bandwagon um, when we came and visited you guys down in Torquay, and you told us about it, and um, Claire and I were like, yeah, sure, let's do it as well. It was a very kind of casual decision at the time and I think it was I don't know maybe it was only about a week before New Year's or something or maybe a couple of weeks before New Year's so there was still a couple of weeks to chicken out beforehand but mm-hmm. we didn't chicken out we just kind of it was only 12 months before that that I'd had about five or six months off alcohol anyway I, uh, I started at the beginning of the year and had five or six months off so did Claire, and then, um, yeah, and then we kind of got back on it again. I know you guys discussed that. We went to Spain and 
we had a little bit of a tour in Europe and, and basically just got back on it again. So it wasn't the first time for quitting. It was the second time for quitting, which made it easier. When you um, took the five months off, were you feeling towards the end of that, I've got this, like I can totally go back and just have one or two drinks, I'll be fine? Yeah, I did. I was lulled into that false sense of security that because I'd had, you know, what to me was a mammoth time off alcohol, you know, like I'm, I, I'd have had periods in my life where I didn't drink as much as I usually did, but never, certainly never a big break, like anything like that. Stringing a few days together was a bit of an accomplishment, you know, like having a few alcohol free days was always a bit, yay, you know, I feel like the, the healthiest man in in the southern hemisphere because i've had a few days off the booze it's fabulous so having that five months off i was like yeah sweet that's amazing but yeah we really did just get back on it and with this real stupid feeling of like oh i deserve to get back on it now you know look at all that good that i've done now i deserve to to have as much as many of the drinks as i want to have you know i've earned it or some some sort of entitlement yeah, which was pretty weird and it didn't take long at all for that whole five months to just completely dissolve and just completely all, all, the, all the clarity and all the goodness that had come from it completely disappear. And, yeah, and it just made me realise that five months and even after the first year quitting, that it's nowhere near enough time to retrain uh, your brain for a habit that you've spent 25 years in the making, you know, a, a drinking habit that's had 25 years in the making. It takes a long time to mm. undo, mm. to rewire some of those neural pathways. Claire and I were discussing in, in the other podcast around about that 10-month mark, 11-month mark, starting to feel maybe not wanting to go back. It's like turning that corner rather than going from, oh, I've only got a few months left to, hmm, I don't know if I want to actually go back there. So I remember texting you on New Year's Eve and saying, you know, are you guys going to drink or not? And we'd already decided, Ash and I, that we weren't. So when did you get to that point too where you were like, I'm done? Or yeah, I'm going I can't to keep really going. remember. Yeah, I can't remember, but I do seem to recall, yeah, it must have been around about that point that I started talking in terms of, of not starting again, you know, of, of, of kicking on with it for longer. But it just, as time goes on, it just gets more and more solid, the, the decision to not drink and, the, and how much easier life is just becomes more and more solid. So, yeah, but I can't remember when the initial sort of urge, urge to not drink sort of came along, urge just to stay off it. Because, yeah, I always, I always thought that I was just having a break and that, um, and that I, you know, was, would hopefully kind of, retrain my my attitude towards alcohol without you know getting back on it and being such a binge drinker and yeah thinking maybe I'd be able to start drinking have a little bit more control over it yeah I think around that 10 month mark I think that's when the longevity of it starts to kick in and you can really start to see a lot clearer you can really start to feel the long-term benefits and like I said if you've spent like 20 years doing something 10 months is still only a drop in the ocean. It's not that long. Two and a half years even still just feels like a little bit of a drop in the ocean. I still feel like I'm only, only a, a, a non-drinker like recently and I don't feel like it's a big chunk of my life. And I really look forward to having tons of years 
mm. you know, like 10 years behind me as a non-drinker. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it just kind of feeds on itself a bit, doesn't it? Just, um, just feels more and more solid as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So, Scotty, you and Ash, I think you guys have it harder than anyone being musicians. Scott is the bass player of The Living End. Um, most musicians, or basically all musicians, it's expected of you and it's so there when you're working. It's put upon you and everyone wants to drink with you. And how did you go from that to then going on tour and being sober and, and say no and, and be okay with it? Yeah, well, I guess it took a lot. Because I, you know, I was always up for a drink, you know, when we'd get to the venue in the afternoon for sound check, the rider would be there and I'd be, I'd be, you know, straight into it. Not, not too, not full on, but, you know, you would always, always have a drink to begin with um, and steadily drink throughout the day. And, and, you know, it used to, it amazes me, like I used to start drinking at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, have a few beers at sound check and then there's those hours between sound check and the gig where we'd go out for dinner or go hang out at the hotel or there'd be a couple of drinks over dinner or something as well and then you'd get back to the venue an hour or two before the show and there'd be a few drinks before you start to try and calm the nerves and all that kind of stuff and then a few drinks on stage and we're just talking about a few drinks here and a few drinks there but by now it's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night and you've had 10 drinks 10 or so drinks and that's not even like a drink you know that's not even like getting on it it's after the gig that's when you decide whether you're going to like stay up and and kick on and mm. and really like kind of lay into it or or whatever mm. there's a lot there was just a lot of drinking going on and it was you know like it's not like we were getting up in the morning and cracking out the bottles of jack daniels or anything like that we were never mm. i was never um that bad but still you know it's still even even on on like Days where we didn't, days where I wasn't up all night, there was still a lot of drinking going on. Mm. So there was a lot that needed to be done to to stop. But the first time I stopped for that first six months, I went straight out on tour with the band around Australia. So it was like eight weeks or something of playing, you know, four or five nights a week, traveling around in a van and um, staying in hotels and doing shows. And everybody else was drinking and so the, I had to immediately just snap into a whole lot of different strategies for my day. <laughs> and I've always been, exercise has always played a pretty big role in my life. I, I've always been a runner and I've always liked to try and keep in shape. So that just started to take a bit of a lead role. I'd get up every morning and, and go for a run no matter how early we had to get up and get into the van to drive to the next town. I'd always make sure I was up a couple of hours early so I could go for a run, which made me feel good for the rest of the day. And then I pretty much just replaced alcohol with sugar and just got stuck into the chocolates at the gig. Chocolates and chips was my <laughs> diet. <laughs> I drank a lot of Coca-Cola as well. I was just, and I think um, I didn't realise at the time, but when you quit alcohol, you do need to, you, you are also like, quitting a lot of sugar as well because there's a alcohol is fermented sugar right so mm. so you do need a lot of sugar to replace that and then kind of it's easy to wean off the sugar but it was after the gigs that I was finding it really hard because we had a support band that were big drinkers as well and basically everybody was drinking the whole backstage environment was mm. loose mm. um 
and I used to love that, you know, that was, um, that was like one of my favourite parts of the day was after the gig and kicking back and having beers and getting loose. So I, yeah, I don't know, they, they, I always was always really keen to get back to the hotel after the gig. If I could get back there on my own or go with crew or whatever like that, that'd be great. As the sooner I could get back into my hotel room and just go to bed knowing that I was going to get up early and go for a run, mm. that was sweet. But when I had hours of sitting around at the gig waiting for everybody to just get there, you know, just to finish up and get ready to go. There were some pretty tough times on that tour because I was, mm. you know, the only sober person there. One of my strategies was I always offered to be the driver so that I at least had something to do while we were driving home while everyone else was sitting in the van having beers. <laughs> at, least I, at least I had a steering wheel on my hand to keep my hands busy rather than, yeah. you know, empty-handed. Yeah, so they were, the, they were the main things, I think, at the gigs anyway. I wonder if there's more triggers for musicians because I was reading a thing. I, I'm pretty sure it was Tom Larkin, um, the guy from She Had, was talking about mental health in the music industry. And musicians, not only they drink too much, they suffer from loneliness, you know, away from their families, things like that. Bad food, no sleep. You know, all these things are just, uh, mm. they're all triggers and they're all things that affect your mental health. It's definitely something I think hopefully one day that they'll address more in the music industry and talk about more. Yeah, I totally agree. There's that organisation called Support Act who are Mm. sort of bringing attention to the mental health of artists and people who work in the music industry as well because there's all the crew and everything as well who are, you know, doing the same job. They're just not on stage. They're behind the scenes. But, um, but yeah, I hope so too, you know. This is why I'm happy to talk about it because I think it's a conversation that's worth having because there's a lot of performance anxiety and a lot of boredom and I think that's why I drank a lot too was because I was bored. There's a lot of waiting around. There's a lot of, wa- you know, waiting around for other people and just waiting around for the clock to turn to a certain time to go mm. and do something. Mm. And it's just the beers are always there, you know. They're always just mm. sitting there. So it's so easy to just go, oh, yeah, I'll just have them have another one i mean i was lucky because we have pretty high expectations of ourselves as a live band so getting too drunk before a gig was a big no-no um i still can't say that it didn't happen but (laughs) but, you know and it was a Mm. disgrace when it did happen and i used to hate it if i'd let myself go too much before the gig but Mm. um yeah, but there is just there's and and that's that was the only reason why I would get too drunk before a gig was just because I was bored, bored. and just would mm. have another drink because you know it's just going to kind of take the edge off mm. a little bit more and then a little bit more and the next thing you go shit whoops this edge is completely gone now whoops absolutely um, yeah but there is there, there's a lot of a lot of boredom in the you know in, mm. the, in the whatever it is the other twenty three hours of the day that you're on tour. Yeah, absolutely. So with um, when you went the second time when we did Club Sober and we did the 12 months, did you have the same coping strategies then for when you're on tour or daily life? Like what got you through? <clears throat> well, that again, the first period of that, I think it was the middle of January. So we quit on New, New Year's and then in the middle of January I went to Germany with the band for whatever it was two or three months or something to record to make an album and this again was challenging because normally you know this is album this was our eighth album and 
our first seven albums were made with beers in hand for sure. Like we'd all, every day we'd just, you know, get into the studio at noon or whatever and just casually drink our way through the day every day, you know, like six days a week or whatever. Wow, that is so, so that must have been so hard to be in another country too. And every, uh, especially Germany as well. And yeah, beer in Germany is good. Yeah. It was summer too. Yeah. No, it, how, it, was summer here. No, it was summer here. It was winter. How there. did you get through? And how did the other guys in the band, were they cool? You know, were they okay with it? Yeah. Is- yeah, look, they were cool. It was odd for them because, you know, I was probably the least likely one of us to stop to give up alcohol. Um, Because I was probably the one who liked it the most. (laughs) Um, But no, they were cool about it. They were they were supportive. There's there's no no judgment from from those guys. That's great. Um, But yeah, I just I just had to get busy. Like I had to get out and 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 what we were in Berlin, so it was you know although although just the 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 work environment being in a studio and not drinking was challenging. So I just found myself. Drinking tea, I would make myself like ginger and honey um, drinks in a thermos and have that on the go all day because it was freezing cold. So that helped. Um, and I'd just get out and, and leg it around Berlin, like just get out, rug up and get out in the cold and just walk around Berlin and see the sights. So, yeah, I just had to keep busy basically because, um, yeah, it was it was – it was pretty hard to be in that environment and just not be washing the washing the day down with, with beers. Yeah. And well, well done. I think it's so amazing. I think we all had such big challenges at the start, like Claire having to go to Byron and stay with friends and family. You know, yeah, you were on tour. Yeah, exactly. Ash was going on tour. You know, yeah, um, being home as well. Well, that's for you as well. Just being home and Ash being away must have been a challenge. Just to be home on your own and not, not mm. go for the um, go for the what is it? The the wine o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> wine o'clock. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and I know that you read a lot as well, and you read some pretty amazing books. So, do you think that kind of input? was helpful i mean you've always kind that of read did, actually deep stuff yeah yeah that did i did read a lot i was re- reading russell brand's book about recovery? addiction recovery, recovery was yeah. was good yeah and then it was it was, I, it was very like kind of 12 step ish but in a bit more of an accessible way than typical you know 12 step things that can be a bit catholic and a bit um and a bit stiff. His was, you know, his was written in layman's terms, and and a lot was of really swearing. a lot of yeah, a lot of <laughs> swearing. If you read it with an if you read it with an English accent, it sounds better than with an oh, Australian accent. Yeah, it's pretty hot if you um, swear in an English accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Tommy Lee's book, The Dirt. If you read that with an American accent, it's unreal. If you read it with an Australian accent, it's just like weird. It's, yeah, it's boring. Like Jimmy Barnes's book, if you don't do that Scottish accent, it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It yeah, works exactly. in the Scottish accent. Who is this guy? So I know that um, you're pretty big into mindset and things like that. So what was your mindset like? What? Let's say you're up and you're going to go into the studio. Or you're going to, you know, come across a trigger. Talk to me about your mindset that you had and was it a conscious, did you get into a conscious mindset or is it just you had made your mind up? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I do. I read a lot about 
about mindset and I, I read a lot about biology and I read a lot about genetics and I read a lot about spirituality and I read a lot about a lot of stuff. But when it comes to fighting your own triggers and stuff, it's really, it really is just pull your sleeves up, get the gloves on and just fight it. Like just, just come up against it. There's no easy way. There's no, for me, the psychology of it all, like you can be methodical about the psychology of it when you're not in it. But when, you, mm. but when you're facing the trigger, it really is, I don't know how much the reading, <laughs> the reading does. It really is just a matter of like, I, I know I've just got to get through it. So whether mm. it's going to be hard or whether it's going to be easy, I just need to, I just need to face that and just do the time. Because the other thing was, I think the thing that, that saved my or helped my mindset the most was just going, I've had 20 something years of, of being a drinker and I've had all this, you know, I've had plenty of big nights and that's mm. what drinking is, you know, mm. it's a big night or a long lunch as you like, used to like to say <laughs> or um, long nights generally, yeah, led, led into big nights and um, then there's the day after. But what got me through was going, I've had so many big nights and so many, so many nights of drinking. Like, I don't need to have another one. It's okay. I've already had it. It's going to be the same as it was every time. It's like, you know, it never really differs that much. It always feels so. I always had this saying, don't confuse drunkenness and wisdom because mm. when you're drunk, you feel like you've, everything's so profound but it's just drunkenness it's not actual wisdom yeah. and you feel like these big nights are epic and they're and they're amazing at the time but there's no real benefit in them in them so so when they were happening I think that that's what saved my mindset was just like hey dude you've had it you've done it yeah. it's not like you're missing out on anything you've done it and you did it you know more than you probably should have so it's okay to be not doing it now, not doing it just because other people are doing it. You've done it. You know, yeah. It's okay. You're not missing yeah. out on anything. You've done it. Absolutely. And I think that was, that was the mindset that, that got me, that kept me going, I think, that, that stopped me from caving. Yeah, that's awesome. You're scratching again. Um, I get so, nervous when I do interviews, Danny. That, that. So, I, so I wriggle around and I scratch and I wiggle my toes and... Stuff like that. Yeah, stop scratching. <laughs> so, um, okay, and so, you know, coming out of it now, two and a half years later, looking back, for one, any regrets? Like, do you look back on the time when you were drinking? Do you have? Do you feel regretful of those times? Oh yeah, I feel regretful that I that when there was times when I just would drink and there was no handbrake and I'd be loose and especially now, like being the sober one in the room and seeing other loose people and thinking, wow, I was always more loose than you were. Mm. Um, and, and you're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine how I was. And I think, oh my God, there's like tour managers and people who had to like drive us around and just sober people that were around. I think, oh man, I must've been like really annoying. There was this thing, right, where we used to jump in the van to go back to the hotel at the end of the gig. And if the drive was an hour, hour and a half, two hours or whatever, I, I'd just want to play music really, really loud in the van because I'd be, you know, be loose. And whoever was driving, you know, was th that was a complete pain in the ass for them. And now <laughs> I'm the one who has to, I, I always offer to drive because I'm, so, you know, I'm sober yeah. and no intention of drinking. 
and people are just want to play really loud music in the van on the way home. And I just think, oh, no, I don't mind. That's like I'm cool with it. But I used to think, man, I used to be so annoying. So I do, yeah, I do regret that. I wish I, I wish I had a bit more of a handbrake. I wish I hadn't taken it so far. I wish I wasn't quite that annoying. Yeah, um, yeah that's, I think that's, that's my main regret. And also, that, you know, on a more serious note, there's, there's being a father as well. And, um, and, you know, like going and hanging out with friends and stuff and just kind of just, just neglecting the, kid, the needs of our children, just sort of going off you go, run off and play, you know. We're, we're having some adult time now. Can you, go and, can you go and run off and just keep yourself busy and just basically not bother us? Yeah. Because yeah. we're all sitting around drinking, having a jolly old time and a bit of, you know, a bit of care factor for the kids goes out the window. And mm. I know, you know, I, I'm sure you feel the same way that you're Absol- yeah. 100 times more present in your children's life and that's the most rewarding feeling and yeah okay you know of course I regret I regret that a bit as well let's hope they're young enough to forget (laughs) yeah exactly that's (laughs) right Sonny will sometimes bring up stuff and say oh dad remember that night that you were really drunk and you did this this or this and he just like cringes and he's like aren't you gonna forget (laughs) that at some point (laughs) what you like I know I think regrets regret is something that I mean, you can sit in that regret or you can just go, actually, no, it's what got me here now and it got me so much wiser, all that shit. I look back and at the times when I do feel regretful, and I do, I feel regretful about the same sort of things like the kids or, you know, things like that that really get to you. You can't be too regretful because I've learned so much about myself in this journey that I would never change it now, you know, as long as I go onwards. Yeah, exactly. As long as you keep moving forward. Yeah, and I know regret's a funny one. People people have a people have a very staunch attitude that no, you shouldn't regret anything, you know. If I wouldn't change a single thing. I am who I am today because of everything I've done. So so I wouldn't change a single thing. People can be people can have this very stiff attitude about regret, but I don't know. Regret and and, and reflection are probably more similar than I see them as quite similar things. So mm. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not afraid of a bit of regret. I don't <laughs> think it does any any great harm. You know, I'm not going to try and you know wear my mistakes on my chest and say, "Well, look, it's what made me who I am today." I'm, you know, I'm not. A, I'm not afraid to say that. Yeah, you know, in my journey to who I am now, I've done things that, you know, that I do that, yeah, that I wish I hadn't done. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm being Everyone a bit has smarter that. about things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So now, and uh, you know, it, the person that you that you are now, like even just looking at you, you look so healthy and so with it, and you know, it's amazing. And that's because I just stepped out of the solarium, though. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah, and I had a facial on the way out from the bathroom to here. Yeah. I'm surprised you're not half no. dead after that 33 kilometer run you guys did the other day. <laughs> God, it just yeah, I know you and you and Claire talked about this, like replacing oh. one, like what is it, the the all or nothing? Yeah, nothing by halves. Um, yeah. Personality, yeah, yeah, we certainly suffer from that, yeah, yeah. Oh, aren't we though? So, but you as a person and how much you've grown, like, what what are the benefits that you've seen? I got really into over the last couple of years, I've gotten into a couple of things that I really, really, really love having in my life now. Well, that's this is another thing, like, it's worth mentioning is that alcohol and and drinking takes up a lot of bloody time, it's a massive time eater, like, if you're 
if you're doing it every day and not really doing anything else, just sitting around kind of boozing on, mm. um, then it's a lot of time committed to doing, to doing nothing. Over the last couple of years, in, with the absence of alcohol, there's a couple of things that I've done, and that's drawing. I know you've seen some of oh my, You've got one of my mandalas. I spent hours and hours of drawing these, these, these little pictures that turn they into are, giant pictures. amazing. And I think and you should sell them. They are so uh, amazing. I know. I think I should too one day, but I'm too bloody lazy to. Hang I on just, a minute. So did you, or like, because I look at those mandalas, I'm like, what the? Someone came into your body and drew this look. Come on. <laughs> Did you always, were you always, like, was that new? That was new, yeah. It was new, yeah. Well, oh it was God. only, I think I drew the first one, like, maybe four years ago or something. Yeah. And now I've done tons of them. Seriously, I spent hours, I spent hours sitting around drawing those and I love the, the what, where my brain is at while I'm doing that. It's such a, it's yeah. such a, a, a meditative thing for me. You know, I've always been a meditator as well. And mm. that drawing is another another thing that puts me into that state. So I love it, you know, like rather than sitting around drinking in, in that, you know, in that state, I sit around drawing in that state and it's it's a beautiful mm. mindset to be in. Mm. What else have I? What else did I get into as well? I mean, obviously, exercise is a big thing. It always has. Even when I was drinking, I was still, I'd still haul myself out of bed in the morning and go for a run, even with a hangover. That. And yeah, even with a yeah, I know. Sometimes it was a disaster, but sometimes it was actually a pretty good hangover cure. And um, I don't know. It was probably just all vanity, though. Like I'd just be worried about how many calories I'd drank the night before, so I figure I'd better. <laughs> Burn some. Um, the other thing, the other thing that's worth. Oh, the other thing that I've been getting into lately, which has only been for twelve months or something, is Tai Chi. Oh wow! Has become like a massive part of my life. I wow. I love it. I do it every day, a couple of times a day. Um, I was going to classes until COVID kicked in, but um, yeah, that's another thing that I, you know, I think if I was a drinker, I just wouldn't find time to do these things. And these are things that are going to stay with me for the rest of my life, I think, something mm. like Tai Chi and, and wow. drawing as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it really does kind of put you in a position where you can, I don't know, open your mind to things that, things that you've always wanted to do, things that you've always thought about doing but never really had the motivation mm. to doing. I think when, you've, when you stop drinking, you start going, wow, there's so many hours in the day. Uh, I can yeah. start doing start doing things to fill these hours because I'm not like you know cracking it open at beer o'clock at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then the rest of the day's a write off. Yeah, you can actually absolutely. do things like nighttime. You can do stuff <laughs> yeah. rather than just falling into bed. You can just do stuff and then go to bed yes. <laughs> and then wake up and do stuff. It's amazing. Our productivity went through the roof when we quit, and just. We just do so much and I just think, fuck, no wonder I, I just did not. What did I do? Yeah, there's so much more time. And the mental clarity, do you feel so clear in your mind? The clarity the clarity is a funny one and I know you guys touched on this again with your, um, with your talk with Claire and I heard you saying how confronting it is mentally to be sober and clear and mm. how much drinking used to mask things mm. about your mm. own personality and I found that, and I'm still finding that now. I'm still finding it confronting. 
but it, it's something that needs to be done. It's a rewarding kind of confrontation, and no matter how challenging it is, you, you're you're going to get you're going to get an equal amount of reward for confronting it, mm-hmm. and it's always taking you into a better place rather than just masking it all the time. Because mm-hmm. these things about ourselves they don't just go away. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the sooner you can, you know confront them and, and know thyself the the better that's where you know that's why i'm saying yeah the clarity yeah it's there but it's like you know it's not the cla- it's not the pissing rainbows and like beautiful oil <laughs> painting clarity that i was after it's a bit more of a um it's a bit more of a mirror sort of <laughs> yeah, clarity and it's yeah, like whoa okie dokie like, oh, there lot. you are there you are yeah so. that's <laughs> Yeah, didn't really ever kind of want to think about that edge, did I, or that edge? <laughs> now you can't help it because yeah. there's nothing asking it. Mm. But um, but that's good. That that and as as we get older, that gets easier because we have mm. more perspective on our own lives, and we take more responsibility for ourselves. And these are all good things, no matter how difficult they are. That's so true. So I think that's been awesome. Great chat. And I'll wrap it up. But what one thing, and I asked Claire the same thing yesterday, was if you could sit with 18-year-old Scotty and give him some advice about the rest of his life, what would you say to him? I think the first thing that springs to mind, I would tell myself to not be lazy. I think that if you're open to things, there's always something to do. There's, you can always find something that you're interested in. And I think it was just laziness that, you know, I've, I would find myself drinking if I was bored. So I'd tell myself to just follow the things that you're into and just be really passionate about them and don't give yourself time to just sit around and, mm. and drink. Just yes. follow your, what was it, what, who was it, Joseph Campbell, the, great mythology expert had this he's he's the one who talks about the hero's journey and he had a really great saying that says follow your bliss and I think that's really important if you just you know you know what makes you feel blissful you know what you know you know what you're into you know what you can discipline yourself to do without really having to try yeah follow it just follow it don't just don't ignore it just follow it yeah, that is awesome. God, I should get a T-shirt made with that. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, and one more question. Is that it for you? Are you done with alcohol? Would you I go back? I reckon I might be. That's I good. reckon I might be. I have these images of me as a really, really, really old old man mm-hmm. and then going, maybe I should get back on the booze again at like <laughs> 100. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're in an era where we're probably going to be able to use the science to live a really long life, but our minds will be shot, so we may as well just booze up. This is the thing. The more I talk about it, the more ridiculous it sounds. And um, yeah. yes. in all reality, in all reality, I don't. I, I think I'm done. I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm done. Yeah, same. Same as yeah. Ash. Same as me. Yeah, that was. I just don't want to go back there. I never want to go back there. Yeah, I don't love what alcohol is in, in especially our Western society. I, I just don't really love what it is. And I, I, I enjoy not being a part of it. I've given up a lot of things. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Oh, yeah. I mm. don't eat meat anymore. Oh. I don't drink anymore. I don't really use social media. 
that much. And I don't judge anyone who does any of these things, but for me, I just don't really like what they are or what they have been in my yeah. life. So I've given up a lot of things and I don't think I'm going to go back. That's so to good. Them. Yeah. yeah. That's so good. Yeah, the Siggies too. That was another big thing for you. You were a shocker. And yeah, I was, a big, so... I was a pretty pretty heavy smoker, yeah. Yeah, amazing. You have just smashed I it. I stopped the booze first and then it was after that that I yeah. stopped smoking the stopped smoking the cigarettes. And, yeah, these I, I tried to quit smoking a few times as well. And I don't know, sometimes with all of these things, sometimes you, you get to a certain point where it just clicks and you know that you're done. Yeah, and you stop, and you you immediate you immediately know that you're done. You just need to get through the hard bit, yeah. and that you're done. And yeah, you know, fortunately, got to that point. You know, oh, sooner yeah. rather than later. Totally, Scotty. I'm so just you have smashed it. You're amazing, and I'm so grateful to you guys for the, you know, our friendship and that beautiful little group that we had supporting each other and I'm just so eternally grateful to you and Claire and Ash just that we all carried each other through that time so thank you and um, yeah, likewise Danny it was, it was really 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 key to have that mm. that little support group where we all could you know we could all help each other out we had we had a, a platform to be able to say oh no i'm not feeling so great about this mm. bit or that bit and mm. to hear other people's perspective it was it was really key it really you really it really does help to, yeah. to have the support absolutely yeah, yeah i'm was... really grateful me too yeah. you guys are awesome and yeah you look amazing <laughs> yeah likewise yeah. no we're all um we're all we're all looking looking a lot younger than we used to. I know, aren't we amazing? Even if vanities are just <laughs> vanities are a great reason to <laughs> to stop drinking. Uh, absolutely. All right, Scotty, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Danny. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.